Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. But, uh, I, I do have a, have a message for you today that God has put into my heart, but you know, it is Christmas, and I had this schedule to do this, and I haven't yet. Uh, I like to get to know people a little bit more, so let me just see who we have in the room here today. I'm going to ask you some questions and see who we got for Christmas. So we're going to go back to Thanksgiving real quick. How many here are Christmas music before Thanksgiving, and how many are Christmas music after Thanksgiving? How many are before? Let me hear you. How many are after? Okay, okay, that's good. I want to see it. How many are mall shoppers? And how many are online shoppers? How many are mall shoppers? How many are online? Wow, see that? That's what's happening to our mall because of you. Amen. How many like the different color lights? And how many like the plain white lights? How many are color lights? How many are plain light? Well, like soft or LED? Okay, that's pretty even. That's pretty even. I like the LED, that's kind of why you see the property blue and white, amen. So anyway, that's a, so how many are Christmas cookies? How many are just plain Christmas cookies and how many are chocolate chips? <laughs> There's a hand in the back for both, amen. <laughs> okay, how many like to receive, Steve asked this last week, how many like to receive presents? How many are gift card people? Just give me a gift card any day of the week. Come on, how many are presents in case you missed last week? Look at there, look at there. How many are gift card folks? All right, all right. More presents, okay, I get it. All right, serious stuff. How many are real trees in the house? How many are fake trees all day long? <laughs> how many have both? Amen, yeah, we got, we got both. Amen. How many prefer a white Christmas? How many prefer a green Christmas? Oh, the, we got people watching from Florida. I know, don't rub it in, amen. But uh, it's a big deal here in Michigan. The only time we really want snow is Christmas anyway for, for us, amen. And the really important questions are coming right here. How many are Michigan fans and how many Michigan State fans? I just, I just want to know who's in the building. How many Michigan fans? We got some folks in Ohio that are watching. So let me say that again. How many are Michigan fans? How many are Michigan State fans? We love you too. Oh, wow. Okay, how many people have faith today? Are the Lions going to win the division today? How many believe they're going to lose today, but still going to get in the playoffs? Okay. Amen. That's called hope deferred. Actually, that's what I'm, I'm going to preach. So won't you stand with me today? got one verse of scripture that I want to bring to us today, and it will be on the screen today. We're going to read this one verse together, uh, and then I'm going to be in Matthew 2, the Christmas story, a couple of things there that uh, the Lord just kind of changed this message. Uh, and so for this month, the Lord put it in my heart back in September to talk about hope, and, and um, I had Brother Kavar kick off the series with the power of hope. What an amazing message. These are all on our YouTube channel. God gave me the, sermon, the message on the anchor of hope. Pastor Steve brought the living hope last week, which is an amazing message. Uh, and today I, I had 
a couple of other things, but the Lord has put this in my heart, and, and I want to talk about hope fulfilled, question mark. So you're going to have to say it like this, hope fulfilled? Hope fulfilled? Is this fulfilling the hope? I'm going to show you that that's a common way to ask that question when you look at the scriptures. Because I'm comforted when I know that God has a plan. That's all I really need to know. And it really assures me. I'm going to try my best to communicate that today. So we'll be in Matthew 2. But right now there's a scripture, Proverbs 13, 2. It's on the screen. I want us to just read that. Let's read it together. It's one scripture. We could do it. Ready? One, two, three. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but desired fulfilled is a tree of life. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that's with us right now. We thank you for the promises of hope that we have. And we thank you that, Lord, you cannot lie. Your words are yes and amen. And, Father, you do have a plan and you do have a purpose for all things. Help us today to understand what we need to understand. Help us to trust and what you're doing and what you're saying. And I just pray this word today, a new perspective of this word and this, this scripture, Lord, would, would help us today, I pray. Use me, Lord, I pray. Speak through me today. Give us ears to hear and a heart to receive. And we pray that today, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. There's uh, an offering that I skipped, but there's four ways to give. <laughs> if you are with us uh, in the building, you can use the envelope in the back of the chairs. It is very important that we continue to give. Thank you. We're coming to an end of a year. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. If you haven't already give, you can use an envelope in the back of the chairs. Fill it out. On the way out, our awesome ushers will be there to receive it. So hope fulfilled, question mark. When I first looked at this scripture, like many of you, uh, it's pretty easy to interpret. We interpret it this way. Uh, if you got it, just put that back on the screen real quick. Hope deferred. Deferred means postponed. It means delayed. So hope delayed, when you're hoping for something and you don't get it, we're pretty sad. But when we're hoping for something and we get it, it's like a tree of life. That, that's, that's the general uh, way of interpreting the scripture, and it's right, and it's rightfully so. Uh, many people in the morning are going to open up Christmas gifts, and you're going to experience this verse fully. Some are going to be disappointed, and some are going to be filled, you know, fulfilled as a tree of life, and it's amazing. Just a shout out to our church. Uh, tomorrow morning, 43 children in the foster care are going to have a Christmas because of River of Life. So thank you. Amen. It wasn't just one gift. They, these, these kids uh, asked for several gifts, and, and for many of them, their entire Christmas was based on us stepping up and giving and sacrificially giving. I know we all have kids and grandkids and so forth, but thank you for giving, and uh, they were able to bless them. So they're going to wake up, and some hopefully are not going to be disappointed, but many are going to be filled with hope, and, and that, that's a true that way of looking at that scripture. And I've experienced that as a kid growing up, you know, Christmas was always the highlight in our family like any other kid growing up. And I remember one of my favorite gifts was bicycles. And, uh, we had several bicycles and the foster kids that asked for them and it was pretty awesome to see that. It's a big deal. I remember one of my first bikes was a black and gold chrome uh, BMX 
my first bike with handbrakes and uh, how amazing that was and got to ride that and had a little free wheel with it and man I got me a deck of cards and I took me a card out and I and I folded it and I put it in the spokes and put a little uh, thing there so when you heard me coming it sounded like a motorcycle how many did that amen you know what I mean yeah by the end of the week I had all my friends man and we all did that and and you know it was exciting and and we even jumped ramps, you know, we would make a ramp. And inspired by Arthur Fonzarelli, we decided to put some garbage bags and have a contest and see who can jump over. We tr really did that, you know. And, and uh, then we got brave and started jumping over one another. I mean, that's just how it was. Don't ask how that went. But anyway, you know, great times, great times. We rode those bikes all day. And we were excited. It was happy, filled with hope. And that's what hope means and that's what we normally see this scripture and, and that is true but I want to give you a different perspective today as we look into the Bible this word fulfilled is what I want you to see when hope is fulfilled it brings a tree of life and we think of something as temporary as a bicycle but a tree of life is actually eternal and so I begin to kind of investigate this a little bit more. And the word fulfilled appears in the Bible 143 times. It's one of the most popular words in all of Scripture. The only thing that beats it out is love and fear not, that phrase. But fulfilled is very common. It's throughout the life of Jesus Christ. And most of the time when you see the word fulfilled, it is not a pleasant experience. Whenever you see the word fulfilled... And that's when I begin to lean into it. In fact, when Jesus was rejected by people, it says that this happened so that scriptures could be fulfilled. When he was rejected by his own family, the word fulfilled appears. When he was betrayed by a friend, the word fulfilled appears. When he was falsely accused, the word fulfilled appears. When he was arrested, and the crown of thorns was put on his head, and he was mocked, and he was beaten and flogged and whipped in his back. That word appears. And I'm thinking, hope? Fulfilled? Is this a fulfillment of hope? Is this a fulfillment of, of what Proverbs tells us when, when life begins to go like this? And don't get me wrong, it's also in those awesome places where Jesus raised the dead and he healed a 12-year-old daughter and he called Lazarus back from the dead. He opened the blinded eyes. He drove out devils. And every one of those occurrences, it says, this happened so that scriptures were fulfilled. But I begin to look into this word. I just want to show something to you today. The word fulfilled in the New Testament and in the story of Christ. It's a Greek word, palero, and it means to complete the plan, to accomplish. That began to speak to my heart, and I begin to understand something. Hope fulfilled is a tree of life. It's not necessarily when we get a bicycle, but it's actually when God's plan is fulfilled. And it's an eternal perspective. God does everything from an eternal perspective. So that's why these sad things begin to happen in the life of Jesus. And you saw the word fulfilled show up. That God has got a plan. And as long as I have under the understanding that God at least have a, has a plan that brings great comfort to me. 
So that's really the, the main thought I want to give you this Christmas Eve. When you leave out of here today, you would remember this one thing. God has a plan. He has a plan for everything. He has a plan for the good things. That's God's plan. And we understand and we celebrate that it was God's plan to bring us Jesus. But we also need to be true and have the, and, and this is where we need the help of the Holy Spirit, River of Life. We need God's help for us to trust in him and know that God has a plan. And that brings comfort to our heart. As I said, that Psalm, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. When I know he holds the future, all fear is gone. Doesn't say we gotta understand the plan, it just says we have to know that God has a plan. And if people in the Christmas story had to do this, I know we're going to too. You saw Joseph was told, just trust me. His wife come home, look at the story, and says, I'm pregnant. He goes, what are you talking about? We're pregnant. We haven't been together yet. And then she says, I've been pregnant by God. It is hilarious. you got to laugh at that. I don't care where you are. That's like, what? That really happened. Joseph was a guy like you and me. He wasn't a scholar. He wasn't a Pharisee. He wasn't a, a man of the cloth. He was just a, a regular man. He was a carpenter. He was a construction worker. Fell in love with this young woman named Mary. And going to live happily ever after. And she comes back and she's pregnant. He says, what are you talking about? And she goes, oh, I'm, don't get afraid. I'm pregnant by God. And the Bible says he did what any guy was going to do. And say, girl, you out of here. I don't play that. And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord came to Joseph in a dream. He had six dreams in this journey of his. And he says, the thing that has happened, don't be afraid, but it is fulfilled. In other words, God was reminding Joseph, God has a plan. God has a plan. And many times you got to ask yourself, like I'm sure Mary and Joseph did, hope fulfilled? This is God's plan? If you look in the Bible, you have many people that did that. Mary and Joseph, I'm sure, she's pregnant and God tells her to go to Bethlehem. She's nine months pregnant and she rides a mule for 90 miles. God had a plan. If anyone should have cut a break, you thought caught a break, it would be Mary and Joseph, right? I mean, a simple labor, Jesus would have came, they would have been in a nice five-star uh, hospital and everything would have been, no, no, you read the story. She had to go through all of these things. And as I begin to look at the journey, I just begin to think of a couple of things. I'll just bring three of them to you in Matthew chapter two, where we see this word being, this word fulfilled coming from the writer. And every time that you see it, it's the writer reminding us that God has a plan. Because it looked like this word shows up in the story in the birth of Christ, not you know just when the angels appear and the wise men, but it also appears when they seemingly get off track from the plan of God, when they seemingly are forgotten by God. That's when this word shows up in Matthew 2. The writer is saying, I know the situation doesn't look like God is with you. I know the situation is unexplainable and uncomprehendable to you, but I just want you to know that God does have a plan for all of this. All you gotta do is try to trust in him. It's gonna make sense one day. 
And we got the luxury church to zoom out and see the whole story and say, Joseph, why are you sweating it, bro? An angel came upon her. Why are you upset, Mary? You did have Jesus. You've got to ride a little rough ride. We've all been there. But it's the, so you get to carry the Son of God. We have the luxury of saying all of that, but we weren't there. <laughs> I mean, if you look through that word fulfilled, and man, I could go all day on it, but it shows up with some heavy hitters who struggled with this word. One of them was John the Baptist, the man that was so confident in the Son of God. John the Baptist. He, would stand, he was the first one to introduce everybody. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the, the sins of the world. Woo, he got to introduce Jesus, and Jesus came on the scene. And John was like, yeah, I'm the forerunner. I get to introduce him. He was so confident. Pharisees came out. He says, what are you doing out here, you bunch of vipers and hypocrites? I mean, he had confidence. He, God was on his side. He was living in revival. He was living in the presence of God when everything was going fine. And then all of a sudden, what happens? He gets arrested. He goes, okay, I can, I can suffer a little bit for Christ. I can, I can, I can you know, I mean, he stood bold. He looked at Herod. He looked at the officials who arrested him and said, you're living in sin. You stole your brother's wife. <laughs> he said that right in the courtroom. I mean, you're trying to kiss up to the judge, right? Not John. He's like, man, you're sleeping with your brother's wife. You, you all messed up. You better repent. That's how he stood him. He didn't need no attorney. He's like, I got my own attorney. You better, y'all better repent. That's John. That's John. Confident. And then you keep reading his story. They put him in jail. And a day goes by. Two days go by. Three days go by. A week goes by. He's praying. First couple days praying, refusing food. Oh, Jesus is going to get me out of here. I'm the forerunner. I was prophesied to be like Elijah. Me and Jesus, I baptized him, bro, what? Jesus is coming, come on, he's singing him songs. You, you are, work. maybe uh, day three, he's a little bit more, he's on worship, he ain't doing a praise, he's worship, he's getting more spiritual, he's serious. But read your Bible, time goes by, and the mighty man of faith, as John the Baptist was, he, he gets all quiet. I've wept over this passage because I've been there takes a piece of paper and he writes out these words and he says, guys, I don't even want you to see what I'm going to write, but I want you to take it to Jesus and let him for his eyes only run it to him. They run it to him and they gave it to Jesus. He, Jesus is preaching. The Bible says his ministry is increasing like crazy while John's ministry is decreasing. He's feeling neglected and where's, where's God at now? John opened, Jesus opens up that letter and it says these words, are you still the Messiah or should I look for another way? Do you know how powerful that word is? And Jesus says these words, go tell John. What he's experienced had to be experienced for times to be fulfilled. In other words, go tell John that I actually have a plan for the lame walk and the blind see and the dead will rise and blessed is he who's not offended at the word fulfilled because I do have a plan. Go tell John that. The word fulfilled reminds us that God hasn't forgotten us. 
hasn't forgotten us. It shows up in the birth story in Matthew 2, and it says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his master, and flee to Egypt, or his mother, and flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. And, and they were there until the death of Herod, so that it might be fulfilled. There it is. Egypt. Joseph and Mary going to Egypt? you got to understand the culture. In, in this day, people did not travel. They lived and died within a 10-mile radius of their, of their home. They didn't travel. And here God has them go from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and then now from Bethlehem to Egypt. As I read that, I'm like, they've got to be asking themselves, hope fulfilled? This is fulfilling the hope? I mean, because Jesus, don't get me wrong, is the fulfillment of hope. He's not hope. He's the fulfillment of hope. Hope was from Isaiah that said, unto you a son is born, and a, ch a child is born, and a son of given, is given, and the government will rest upon his shoulders. That, that's hope. Prophecy is hope. Jesus fulfilled hope by being here, saying, I am he. But Mary and Joseph is like, this is a fulfillment of God's prophecy. This is a fulfillment of God's will for us to be in Egypt. And I don't really have a lot of time to get deep into this Egypt, but you know what Egypt represents? It represents bondage. Egypt in the Bible represents the world, secularism. It, it, it represents bondage. And I just want to stop and pause and tell anybody here at this Christmas weekend that if you have bondage in any area of your life, I want you to know that Jesus can set you free. I said, Jesus can set you free. What I love about this part of the story is the Bible says they had Jesus with them in Egypt. Can I tell you that Jesus isn't afraid of your bondage? That Jesus will go right into your bondage. Jesus will go right up into your Egypt. He's got a plan for your bondage. He's got a plan for whatever's got a hold of you. And that plan is to set you free and to bring you out. Come on, give him praise this, this day. He's got a plan to bring you out. And then even as we just keep going through the Matthew chapter 2, even the darkest part of the Christmas story is Herod. He executes his order to execute innocent children, two years old and under. Herod represents the devil. It says in Matthew 2, then was fulfilled, there it is. What was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet. God didn't do this, but God knew the evil was going to happen. So he said, this is what's going to happen. And he says by Jeremiah that the prophet, a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. Ramah, I just want to mention to those and say to those that may be in a season of Ramah right now, where the enemy, and that's Herod, he's the enemy. He come to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what Jesus said the devil has done. And maybe you're in a season right now of Ramah, a season of weeping, where the enemy has stolen from you. He's taken something from you, and you're left wondering, when's the hope? Is the hope fulfilled? I want you to know that, that God has a plan. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy will come in the morning. It will come in the morning. Let me just say, if you don't have Jesus and you're in Ramah, man, you are in, some, in for some hard times because the hope I'm preaching about today and the hope about being fulfilled is only found in Jesus. 
Without Jesus, you're stuck in Egypt. Without Jesus, you're stuck in weeping and sorrow. Without Jesus, there is no future. Without Jesus, there is no fulfillment. There is no plan. There is no sense of anything. Without Jesus, we're living in darkness. But because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Paul said if Jesus wasn't alive, then our faith would be futile and we'd be the worst of all people. But let me tell you that Jesus lives today. Herod represents the enemy. Joseph understood God's plan when he says that famous verse in Genesis chapter 50. And he says this, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. Why? He understood that God had a plan. These plans of God are always in a way that we don't understand, and they come in times we don't understand. But they are a part of God's overall big picture in his plan. He knew we would be right where we are right now. He knew you would be right where you are right now. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't claim to be. You know, when in this story, I look to the Bible, as long as I can find it in the Bible that someone went through it like me, that's good enough for me. I've learned to say, okay, I know God must have a plan for all of this. And that's what I'm preaching to you today. It's a reminder that God has a plan for your Egypt. He has a plan for our rhema, for our weeping and our mourning. He has a plan to bring us out. He has a plan to get us out. And in Matthew 2.20, man, this could be another day. It says that when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise, take the young child and mother. I love how he had to give Joseph specific instructions to take both. <laughs> I think Joseph would have left one of them. I mean, just... My daughter Miranda, you guys have been praying for her. She's at home. She's still on bed rest, but she's released from the hospital. But she's been up in the hospital getting ready uh, to deliver uh, our baby granddaughter. And she's not due till the end of February. So it's been touch and go. A lot been going on, but God's been faithful. So we've been having my little grandson jumping around with family. And so uh, we had some crazy things happening this week uh, with everything uh, with the loss of our brother John, just has been been one of those seasons, and uh, been trying to get through it. So we've had our grandson, but we went to go drop him off. Melinda and I had to go somewhere, and we went and dropped him off with Felicia. Felicia was taking him to be with Alyssa and Lindsay, Andre. They were all together, and we dropped off the grandson, took off, and had to go do what we did. But we had his car seat. <laughs> we haven't had a toddler in a house for years. Amen. <laughs> I just thought of that. But God says, "Hey, uh, Joseph, I know you're a new dad. Don't forget the son." It says that every time the angel told him in a dream, notice it didn't say, you know, Joseph, go to, go to Israel, because I know, assumingly, you're going to take your family. He had to say, no, 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 take your wife and take your son. I thought that was hilarious. The Bible's not boring. Arise, take your young child and mother, go to the land of Israel, and being warned by God in another dream. So here he has two dreams. One, God is getting him on the way, and then while he's halfway there, God gives him another dream and says, don't be afraid. He turned aside to the region in Galilee called Nazareth so that it might be fulfilled. Nazareth is another place that this word shows up. What is Nazareth? I was looking at this. Nazareth is that place where Jesus was raised. He was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. 
but he did most of his ministry in Capernaum because Nazareth rejected Jesus. Nazareth didn't believe in Jesus. Nazareth is that place. In fact, there's one reference to Nazareth by a guy named Nathaniel, and it says in John 1:46. and Nathaniel, when he heard about Jesus coming from Nazareth, he says these words, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's why so many people miss Jesus because they could not get over the fact that God used something like Nazareth to bring his son Jesus through. And I don't want anybody here to miss out on what God is doing. Maybe you're stuck in Nazareth. Nazareth is that thing in your life or that season in your life that just doesn't make any sense. Can anything good come out of my Nazareth? Can anything good come out of this season that I'm in? Can anything good come out of this? Can anything good come out of my failed marriage? Can anything good come out of this unexpected tragedy that we as a church find ourselves? And I said, God, what are you doing? I lost our brother John. I said, God, I know John wasn't going to be here forever, but Lord, you took him like that. And I know we have those questions. God, can anything good come out of that? Can anything good come out of this? And the Lord said to Mary and Joseph, he said, it's, I got a plan. I got a plan. So really, church, all I want to say to you guys and everybody here today, God has a plan. And Joseph probably wanted more detail. Mary probably wanted the detail. Hey, before she said okay to Gabriel, she, was, she should have probably said, Gabriel, okay, how long am I going to be pregnant? Are you going to have me on a donkey going 90 miles? I don't think so. Am I going to give birth in a manger? Is Harry going to try to kill this baby? Is, am I going to have a, a knife pierced through my heart? What is that? Who's this Simeon? Oh, let's renegotiate the contract, God, because I didn't sign up for all of this. I thought I was favored and highly favored of God and chosen to bring Jesus and God says you are and know this I have a plan his name is Emmanuel he will be with you that's all you gotta know trust me he will be with you and Mary said what well, we gotta try to find and say May it be, Lord, as you have said. I trust you have a plan. You know, growing up in the 80s, I had a lot of great shows, and every show always had an automobile, whether it was the Dukes of Hazard with the General Lee or Knight Rider with the talking car. But when I was getting this message together, the plan, God has a plan, I was reminded of this black van with a red streak through the side called the A-Team. I'm just trying to, trying to forgive me for my nostalgic culture, pop culture reference, but there was a cast, you got to look it up, young people, called the A-Team. Actually, that show outdid Dukes of Hazard and Knight Rider. It was that popular. I was a big A-Team fan, had the van. It had Hannibal, this was a special forces military team, and they were accused of something they didn't do so they were uh, mercenaries you can hire to try to make things right and the leader was a guy named Hannibal with his gloves and cigar and then you had this guy who was a smooth talking con man he was a I was gonna have a picture but I didn't get it in time I was thinking of it I wasn't sure I was going to use it but here I go 
This guy was a good-looking, talking, smooth guy. His name was Face. <laughs> I'm like, couldn't you guys think of something better than that? And then you had this big guy, B.A. Baracus, Mr. T, sucker. <laughs> fool, I pity the fool. And he had the mohawk and the gold chain. Come on, somebody. And then, he had, and then he had this crazy guy named Murdoch who they literally would have to bust him out of the insane asylum on every mission. But here's the point of me bringing this crazy reference at Christmas is that that show was a huge success because Hannibal the colonel had this one saying, guys, don't panic, I have a plan. And, some, and every time that plan involved knocking B.A. out because he was afraid to fly, so they had to sneak him a tranquilizer in his food or because he wouldn't get on a plane, so they had to knock him out. Every plan was to break out this guy from the insane asylum. But, and, and many times through the journey, they would look at Colonel, and they would say, Hannibal, are you sure it's going to work? And he would always say, have I ever failed you before? And every time, you can count it, every time, somehow, at the end of the show, there was that van driving off in the sunset, mission accomplished. Can I tell you how prophetic and biblical that is? We serve a God that is in heaven, that is looking to us today, guys, and he's saying, man, I know I may have to do something that you don't understand. I may have to do something in your life sooner or later. If you're not relating to this message, you will, because we live in a fallen world and we are not exempt to suffering in fact we're going to be called to it but I want you to know today God has a plan and I can rest in the fact that he has a plan will you stand with me today I don't know where you are in this, in this journey if you're in a situation, if you're in Egypt, you're needing some deliverance, I want you to know God has a plan and he can bring you out. If you're in Ramah today, you're in a season of weeping, I want you to know, and many of us are, and I know I've thought of you, Donna, and the family when I was writing this message, man. God has a plan. Maybe you see yourself in all three of these. Can anything good come out of that? God has a plan. And as long as I know he holds the future, <laughs> I can face tomorrow. So my mama sing this song. It's a beautiful song. I want us to get our communion. Will you run communion to me today? Those of you that are at home, grab something from your pantry if you can. If you don't have a communion element, will you just raise your hand? Our ushers, I want to give them time. To, I want us to take this together as a church family. Just keep your hand up until they come around and, and give you your elements. Says Christmas Eve, we, we normally have a candlelight service. We've fallen on Monday and things are different. But communion, and I decided to take communion at the beginning of the month. I told Steve, let's push it to the last and do it on Christmas Eve. As a family, in the morning, I've always done communion before we even open gifts. Moms and dads, you don't have to do that, but let me encourage you. Somehow, train and teach your children that the reason for this season, it's all about Jesus. You don't have to be an hour-long sermon. You can, some, folk, some families just pray, and I don't know, but somewhere... For us, we always have communion. And our girls, when they were little, they would, they would be the first to go get the crackers and juice because they knew the faster we do communion, the faster they get the presents open. 
And I just read a scripture and I said, guys, every tree we have that we opened, that you opened last night into this morning, came from God. God gives us the power to gain wealth and now we're all adults. We're gonna take communion in the morning, so I think it's appropriate we take communion this morning together. And then mom's gonna bless us with this song and then we're gonna go home. If you wanna open your element today, the top is a little wafer. If you're joining us today, we have an open communion. It's open to everybody. We do ask that you know the Lord Jesus. The Bible gives us a great strong exhortation that we are partaking in something very serious here to remember what Christ done on the cross. And so before we go any further, can we just take a second right now and examine our hearts and ask the Lord to just cleanse us and wash us of any unrighteousness. That's why Jesus came. We celebrate his birth, but with Jesus, as I said in the outset, it's the whole package with him. He came to give us life and to heal our sick and raise the dead, but he also came to be with us in our suffering and he himself suffered. And what we hold in our hand is a reminder that it had to be fulfilled, a reminder that Christ died for you and for me to take away our sins. So Lord, we just right now, we thank you. We thank you, God, for Jesus today. His birth brings is the fulfillment of hope and his death brings the fulfillment of all things. And his resurrection brings the fulfillment of our future to be with you in glory, with our loved ones. We remember that today. We ask God that you wash us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness, that we may be clean and pure in your eyes today as we partake of this communion in Jesus' name. I was thinking of Pastor John as he always would take communion and lead us. He'd take that wafer that we hold in our hand and he'd break it. He did that for as long as I've known him. We were in Israel. We took communion in the garden tomb where Jesus rose again. He did it. He did it. And I, for me, I like to hold the cup up. He's, I mean, everybody does it different, but just in honor of him, I broke my bread today. Lord, we just thank you that this body represents your body being broken for us. So that our brother John and our loved ones could be with you in glory. <laughs> and we thank you for what you have done for us all. And we bless this bread today in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's take it together. Then Jesus looking at his disciples and he takes the cup and he tells them, this cup represents the new covenant and in it represents my blood. It's going to be shed for you. And Peter had a hard time with that. When Jesus told Peter that, hey, I'm going to go to the cross and be handed over to the Romans and they're going to kill me. And Jesus, Peter stood up and said, no, you're not. Jesus said, it has to so things can be fulfilled. In other words, Peter, it has to because God has a plan. And they struggled with this, but we know now what it means. We thank you, Lord, for the new covenant. We're not saved by works. We're saved by faith, by grace through faith. Our sins are forgiven because of what is represented in this cup, and that is the precious blood of Jesus. 
you came and you were born and you lived for 33 and a half years for this purpose today so that we on Christmas Eve 2023 in Belleville, Michigan and all over the place where people are watching can hold this cup and participate in an eternal covenant made with you, God, that we are going to be with you in heaven and eternity, Lord, standing and rejoicing with you and our loved ones. Thank you. That's what this represents. And we receive it today in the name of Jesus. Let's take it together. Well, amen and amen. I pray that message was a blessing to you, that you received some sort of encouragement or word of instruction from the Lord. That's our prayer at River of Life, that every time you tune in, and God speaks directly to your heart. Well, this is Pastor Eddie again. Just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast and remind you that every Tuesday, a new message is uploaded. Also, if you want to watch one of our services, head over to our YouTube channel. It's River of Life Church, a church of his presence, his promises, and all people. And you can watch one of our services that way as well. So God bless you. I pray God's presence be with you uh, for the rest of the week. Amen.